Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 53 of Her Story. This is your host, Cassidy Reed, and today my guests are Katie Velasquez and Matt Richards. They are both professional orchestral musicians, educators, and founders of Band Director Survival Guide, as well as the Virtual Flute Music Festival and the Virtual Percussion Music Festival. In this episode, Katie, Matt, and I discuss their musical experiences, professional projects, developing BDSG, virtual festivals, and COVID-19. More information about their work and the festivals can be found in the episode description, so if you want to check out their links. If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, you can send your bio to musicherstorypod at gmail.com, and please make sure you're liking and following all of our social media accounts. See you next Monday. Katie Velasquez, um, and I'm the flutist of the duo here, and um, I guess I started in music in Austin, Texas, in the band programs, and that was my first experience with um, band in general, and it was a great one because um, Texas band is super intense, but I also learned a lot from it. Um, My early flute teachers were excellent um i was so lucky oh my gosh <laughs> uh and so that really um helped me kind of learn music easily and um be able to kind of express myself on the flute from a young age um and then i mean i went to you know the all the different colleges you know for music and stuff and um i was in let's see recently was in the midland odessa symphony and i'm currently in the missouri symphony and um, I guess, you know, as with everyone, when the whole pandemic happened, um, all of my work got canceled, <laughs> all my teaching and playing and stuff. So um, that's why Matt and I have been doing more things online. We have like online teaching studios like a lot of people have, but we're also trying to build um, Band Director Survival Guide was a, a way to kind of like get back in touch for me with the band world that I grew up in. Uh, and see how like my training as a classical flutist um, could possibly um, help band directors and everything I've learned with that. Um, And then also with Virtual Flute Music Festival, how my training just overall as an artist um, can help flute players. And so we're really excited about all of that stuff right now because um, while we're still on the orchestral path, like I'd love to, you know, be in the whatever big symphony one day, this is kind of like a off the beaten path way of doing things that is really exciting. And so we're really enjoying it. Yeah, it's like, it's been a, a good time, like an exciting time, even though like the pandemic is really hard, <laughs> all that. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. Well, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm Matt Richards. Um, I'm the percussionist of the, the group here. Um, and <laughs> my... Uh, <laughs> My, um, I guess my musical start, I started in, in Boston, actually, because I lived in Massachusetts, um, third through fifth grade, and in Boston, they start band much earlier. So I started in fourth grade, and then I moved to California in sixth grade, 
And then there, there was no band program in my school. So I actually did like outside, like an outside youth orchestra, which was, I was really fortunate that California Youth Symphony was there. And the teacher there, Artie Storch, was um, like a professional musician on the scene in the, the San Francisco Bay Area. So he was a really big influence on a lot of my orchestral playing because he would be there to coach us. And mm -hmm. then for from there, I actually went to college for um, marine biology, and I actually switched halfway through to music. So I kind of came to the the music path um, a little bit differently than a lot of um, a lot of my peers that were also that are also in the field. Um, but then, you know, long story short, um, got a job in Midland um, with Katie, and then uh, got a job in Missouri, and then. We um, eventually we arrived at this point, like everyone else, <laughs> where um, where uh, things kind of got canceled, and we had to reimagine what um, what a career in music meant and what a career in music would look like. And what we found so exciting is that, well, one, it kind of humanized everyone, and it made the industry feel more accessible um, because yeah. everyone was going through the same thing, and so we were all, we were all like, it kind of felt like we were all equal um, in in like and all in solidarity with each other in in a similar struggle um, as everything kind of disappeared, and um, it also felt like everyone was more accessible, and all of a sudden we were you know, communicating with everyone and and it kind of allowed us to create this platform where we were able to bring more educators and more musicians to the table that otherwise weren't accessible before just because of distance and because of, um, you know, cost or or other other factors that would limit your ability to study with someone or meet someone who lives across the country. So that's kind of how kind of how it all got started. <laughs> that great stories on both of you. And, and I love how you both come from so different musical backgrounds as well. So I, I'd like to ask what made you pursue music professionally when you were a student? Well, for me, I knew that I wanted to pursue music, like to be a professional orchestral player, probably since like the first note I played on the flute. <laughs> <laughs> Like, as soon as I started playing, I actually had, um, I don't know if you've um, interviewed Weston Sprott from the Met Orchestra. He's a trombone player. He had just so happened to be, like, best friends with my middle school band director. And so I got to meet him when I was in seventh grade. And um, he really kind of um, guided me, you know, at that age through, like, what I would need to do to, you know, be a professional musician. So, like, go to Curtis yeah, and, like, you know, take your auditions. And, like, he helped me kind of, you know, look at the music conservatories and the process and all this stuff, which, like, I had no idea about before. Mm -hmm. So I was really lucky that I had that sort of guidance, like, when I was in seventh grade. So in seventh grade, I was like, I'm going to Curtis. <laughs> I didn't go to Curtis, but like, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I like wanted, you know, from that age, that's pretty much when I knew. Um, for me, it's just, I love the sound of the flute. And, you know, I think um, it's pretty easy in, you know, if you're on the, the orchestral route or whatever, to get really bogged down in all the competition and um, the rejection and 
all of that stuff. And for many years, I mean, I was like, ugh, I don't want to play a solo recital. Like, that's not going to get me a job. <laughs> and so I, you know, when I won my first job, I, um, I feel lucky that I was young and I kind of had a moment to step back and um, ask myself, well, what now? <laughs> like, what comes next? Um, and really, it came back to like, I love the music that I get to play um, and all the flutes, different parts that you get to, you know, play in the orchestral music. Um, we have the best parts. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, but we really do. Um, and then, <laughs> and, you know, that was really powerful for me. I think also for right now that um, during the pandemic, it's, I had already kind of gotten to the point where, yeah, music, it, it means a lot to me to be able to play this music on my flute, which I love the sound of the flute and I love improving <laughs> on, um, just, you know, on all the aspects of my playing and the way I perform and think and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I decided and how I got to be where I am right now, I guess. <laughs> Great. Matt, care to respond? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. So, <laughs> well, you know, I actually didn't really have an interest in being a professional musician in high school. Mm -hmm. I, um, uh, I actually was like really interested in, in lacrosse and um, so I was really into athletics and I was really I really wanted to be on the the team at my high school and so like for me getting on the, the team was a big deal and I kind of started lacrosse late so it took me a while to get to a level where I was able to actually finally make the team so mm -hmm. for me I was really pursuing that and and because music had Sunday concerts um, and so did the lacrosse, the lacrosse team had Sunday games. I couldn't do both. So both things required me to choose. So I chose lacrosse. And then, um, my senior year, I just, I, um, was able to get back into music cause there wasn't a conflict, but, um, I ended up going to school for Marine bio and through, through the first year, I just, I was doing it and I was doing great in it and um, I wasn't really having any problems with it academically but I just I wasn't enjoying it the way that I thought I would um, and I didn't it was kind of like uh, I didn't see the benefit of the the parts I really didn't like doing as a way to get to the part I did like doing because obviously with anything you do there's there's like the really fun part and then the not so fun part that you just mm -hmm part of it's part of the the deal um, but that part of the deal for marine bio was just not worth it to me so um, I had been doing I'd been participating in the music ensembles while I was there and the music instructor there John Nathan was um, he was really surprised that at like my ability level he thought it was really strong um, and um, he slowly just started to say you know if you wanted to do this you could um, it's a difficult career, but it's something that you could pursue. And I did always appreciate him saying that it is a, it is a difficult career because it does require an extreme amount of resilience. Yeah. Um, and um, but he he was really helpful with getting me on the path to switch. And then he spent the next three years with me because I had to do the music degree in three years, like a four year degree in three years. So it was like I had to really crank it out and. Um, he was really supportive at getting me through that whole process. And then from there, it was just me kind of playing catch up because I just wasn't 
I wasn't studying excerpts. I wasn't doing any of that stuff in high school. Like, I didn't even know what an excerpt was in high school. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what an excerpt was until I started my music degree. I, I just wasn't, I was just someone doing it because it was fun. Um, yeah. And um, so then, like, I just slowly climbed, I just, you know, slowly climbed the ladder and just through every rejection learned where the, the, the you know, baseline was and just kept trying to meet that baseline and then trying to find the next baseline and keep climbing until I've I've reached where I'm at I guess so it was it was definitely not a traditional path but um it it worked out (laughs) yeah and it's interesting too because Matt and I have kind of sort of arrived at a similar place in our careers and our skill levels and stuff like that um, and we had completely different musical upbringings. Like mm-hmm. it couldn't have been more different. So it's just, it's really interesting to see that. Um, yeah, it's just a, an interesting observation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And I, yeah, I think it's it's always interesting when I interview people from different backgrounds because I feel like everybody has a different path in the way they got to their profession. And some is, it's not a straight path. It's a winding twisting road and then they ended up where they were and so I always find that very interesting because I don't think there really is a dead set way to succeed in music for anyone I don't think there's like a path you must follow to be successful I think it's different for everybody for sure absolutely yeah Yeah, there we definitely know of the windy path (laughs) yeah Right, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my next question is, uh, you touched on this a little bit about your professional lives, but I'd I'd like to know what is your professional life like as, you know, musicians and educators pre-COVID and now during COVID? Yeah, so pre-COVID, we were both playing in orchestras, like um, either subbing around with them orchestras in Texas mostly or um, you know playing in our summer orchestra in Missouri and then we were doing a lot of teaching there's a ton of teaching in Texas um, in the public schools and so those two things kind of like made up our um, livelihood Um, and then auditioning whenever we could Um, you know auditions get really expensive so even if you teach 500 students per day right sometimes like you still can't even make it happen which is crazy um but definitely trying to audition as much as we could because that's our um I mean that's always yeah it's our you know main goal is to be in that like a a larger orchestra especially for for me I'd love to be in like a full-time orchestra um that like the job I had in Midland, like we'd play once a month. Um, so I just, I love to have something that kind of meets a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that's in a larger city sounds fun to me. Um, but, and then, so post COVID, um, we were lucky to, um, kind of be in touch with, uh, someone from the LA Phil named Chris Still, and he's super involved online with his courses and um, all that stuff. And he really opened our eyes to like what is possible online um, in terms of learning for ourselves, but also in terms of like what we could create for um, for others. And so that's really how kind of Band Director's Survival Guide began is that we were like, well, we have all this knowledge <laughs> and then like, 
how can we try and connect with other people who might be in need of it right now? And um, as teachers in the public schools, um, you know, we've studied our instruments for a lot of years. And, you know, I I would love to be able to um, help out a band director if they needed help on, you know, like, what do I teach these flute players? <laughs> it's like something that I've been thinking about for a long time. And so Band Director's Survival Guide was kind of like our um, our attempt at trying to connect with with band directors in that sort of way um and yeah and and one thing one thing to add is it'd been an idea we'd been thinking about for a a while um one of the strengths i feel like we both realized or we felt that we had was that it took us a long time to really find our sound and we tried out a lot of different techniques and a lot of different ways to to find the sound and the playing style that we felt fit us personally. And and at least for me, it didn't feel like it came naturally. It felt like I really like hit the wall like 20 times until I finally found something that worked and I kind of did everything wrong and then eventually circled back to, you know, I went through bouts of tendonitis and other sorts of playing injuries as I just tried to power through and make something work and then I slowly figured out all the ways that it wasn't going to work until I found ways that it really did start to work and it it felt like it really made um, our ability to teach a lot stronger because we were able to really recognize in students right away like oh like I recognize that like I used to do that I used to do that too um, (laughs) and this is and you you can see like you kind of see the avenues that the students are going so we also noticed as we were teaching more and more in Texas that well for one the edge the music education system in Texas is amazing and the band directors are really really top-notch but you know they even even with all that they they get one semester of flute methods or one semester of woodwind methods one semester of percussion methods and then especially in smaller districts they're often required to then you know hit the ground running and just teach beginner percussionists or beginner flutists and they have two months more experience than the the students they're teaching yeah Um, we (laughs) like oh wow (laughs) so we we really wanted to provide a platform where they could get more access to to really really top-notch specialists um especially in in this new zoom time where you can get that access from anywhere but we we wanted to create something where we wanted to help educate the director because while we think it's great that we can come in and teach someone privately and and help them like our influence is once a week for 30 minutes to an hour with that student and the band director is getting I guess, is it an hour? I think they get an hour or two hours a day with the student, depending on the district. So they're getting so much more time with the student. And if the teacher and the private instructor are really on the same page and they kind of know how they want to proceed with everything, it just makes for a much more cohesive um, educational experience for, for the student and a more fun experience, I would think, for the director as well. Yeah, and that's what really, I think, made such a difference in my education um, is that my band director was so good at teaching the flute. Uh, Like, all the band directors I had were just so, so good. Like, they were flute players themselves, and they had studied with, like, who I would go on to study with. Like, and so I was getting this, like, just 
really well thought out, um, awesome information from the very beginning of someone who was like also an expert themselves, um, who just had a lot of experience. So yeah, I think that's what we're we're trying to um, be able to provide to band directors so that they don't... I mean, I was afraid to teach my first flute lesson after 13 years of studying the flute. I was like, oh my God, this is so scary. Like, I have no idea what to tell this kid. And then you're like, oh my gosh, the band director. Like, I, I don't even know how they must feel if they have only a few months uh, studying an instrument and then like, go teach the kids. And just kind of like the weight of having... Um, a student's future in your hands is kind of crazy and so um yeah we wanted to be available to help if they needed it <laughs> and i think that's such an incredible mission as well like being someone who was the person that took a semester of methods in music ed school me um <laughs> uh, and a person who is awful at flute me i probably play it at like a seventh or eighth grade level not very good at it. I struggle with it a lot. But um, Matt did bring up a good point about, you know, the struggles of you as a musician personally and how that's able to help kids as well. Like I was a person that was an awful sight reader as a kid and I had to develop like really backwards ways of like sight reading and figuring it out. So like I have about like 12 different strategies for sight reading that like someone who may have had a natural ability to do that wouldn't be able to help a kid as much. And I've noticed that like some of the the ways that I figured out how to do things has actually been helpful to my kids. And I could be like, Hey, yeah, you know what, when I was your age, I struggled with the same exact thing. So I did relate to that. And I think that it's wonderful that you have this resource that you are helping band directors in that way, because the school that I student taught at, we brought in specialists all the time to work with kids. And I think that there is an enormous benefit to that. And I think that I don't, I don't know if I would have been as successful on my instrument if two out of three of my middle school band directors didn't happen to play my instrument right yeah. so mm -hmm. my sixth grade and my eighth grade band director they both played trumpet that was extremely beneficial to me to have that person in the room that that was their primary instrument so yeah it is it is helpful i feel so much more comfortable teaching trumpet than any other instrument obviously like yeah. <laughs> I, I do relate um to that in that way i think for music educators um we can teach pretty much every instrument to some extent but when you know i have my high school flute players and they're working on some crazy trill fingerings i'm having to look them up because i don't know them <laughs> right so, yeah, yeah then it's helpful to have those specialists in the room for sure mm -hmm. yeah and that's what we want to be for the band directors because um yeah it's I just can't even imagine how difficult or scary that would be. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, there's a lot. It's very high pressure. And so you, you were talking about your band director's survival guide, and I know you have moved on to some new projects as well, but I do want to touch on this. And you talked a little bit about what inspired you to start creating the resource, but for people who don't know what band director survival guide is, can you talk a little bit more about what's included on the site and your resources and that sort of thing? Sure, sure. So Band Director Survival Guide, um, the first thing I think we got up there was the, the free resources. So we started posting little instructional videos about common problems on the instruments, um, like major things that you're going to see um, as a teacher with your students as they go through beginning band because, or sorry, sixth grade, because what we noticed especially is, and what we felt as we went through our journey is that 
the most important year, those first couple years where you're getting set up. And if you can set a student up correctly, not only with the right techniques, but with the right mindset, then the student is set up um, for for success um, throughout their musical career, whether that just be playing in the high school marching band or whether they want to go on to pursue it more seriously. Um, but at least that way they're set up correctly from the very beginning. So we, we created a bunch of videos about like the most common problems and solutions that we were seeing in our students. Um, and then after that, we added on the advancement programs. Um, which were some programs we ran in the fall um, for the Allstate um, competition in Texas. Um, and those went really well. Um, I think the... Yeah, the I mean, I guess, well, on the site we have, um, I guess we're trying to reimagine like the whole private lesson thing yeah. a little bit. Um, and this comes from our training in that um, when you go to whatever music school, you don't just have lessons um, mm -hmm. in band. You have studio class and you have like, um, you know, you have your chamber music thing where someone's coaching you on that and you have lessons and you can sit in on your friend's lesson and all that. There's just like a lot more um, going on in the studios. And so um, I think what's on the site right now is that a little bit of a reimagined version of flute lessons in my flute studio. There's um, yeah. it's basically like a student will get private lessons from me, but they'll also um, be meeting once a week with everyone else in my studio, um, whether it's like the beginners or the advanced students, um, so that they can play for each other, just like in a studio class that we all had in college. And um, having that for the, the younger students, I found is, uh, well, they think it's really scary, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really, it's a great experience because um, there's no grade there's no chair attached to this performance it's just a a way that they can give it a try and get more familiar with the whole performing thing um because yeah i felt like when i was younger it was always attached like it was really high pressure every single performance i gave it was like so i could get first chair or get a hundred percent or you know make the competition or whatever and um this sort of thing, I mean, because like everyone gets used to their private lesson teacher eventually, and then it's like, I'm not scary anymore. <laughs> and so like having those peers there um, as part of like the learning experience, um, it has made a really big difference um, for my students. And so like that's something that we are offering. It on, it's on the site. It's like, it's basically my flute studio, my current flute studio, but there's just kind of like um, an added studio class into it. And um but I mean, I think also on the site, there's um, like, well, we have something called coaching on there, which we can get into. <laughs> um, but basically something that uh, was really so transformative for us is when we um, started working with someone to help us understand the way we thought a little bit more, um, like our thought processes and processes and how we kind of like dealt with failures and how we viewed ourselves as musicians and all this stuff. Um, coaching is kind of like someone who is just there to think with you <laughs> on um, whatever, you know, problems you're having. And if you're trying to get a bigger job or trying to get a job or anything like that. Um, so the coaching, it's not like we haven't really made a big thing out of it yet for BDSG. Um, 
But it is something that we do in our our other festivals that we'll talk about later. Um, is that for musicians because it's so competitive, and um, I also think because like making music is a little bit personal, you know, like it's coming from the heart and all that stuff. And when someone rejects you, it kind of feels like a personal attack instead of like, I don't know, if you got a 50 on your math test like that, it's just you got a 50 on your math test. I don't think you feel like super like personally attacked. Like I haven't taken a math test in a long time. (laughs) Maybe I don't know. Um, But I mean, I know for me, like, the flute is just a part of who I am. It's not just something I do. And so every rejection is almost like, ugh, they don't like me. They don't like my being, my whole mission, any of that stuff. So coaching is kind of like um, trying to understand why those thoughts are there and learning that, you know, if you're thinking in a certain way, it can actually help you perform better. Um yeah and be more creative which is the whole goal um like no one made their most creative thing when they're under all this pressure to deliver and they thought that they really weren't worth much and Mm -hmm. so that's really what the coaching aspect of our festivals is and hopefully we just hope to be able to work with musicians in general um band directors included and yeah. yeah and and one thing just to add on to that really quick is is you know, performers and band directors often like think of themselves as separate entities, but like both groups struggle with very, very similar things. Like as a band director, it's also extremely competitive. And, and the, I mean, one thing that I just can't believe is that every year at, in the spring, the UIL contest, you know, the, the scores matter and it can like really affect your job prospects for the following year. And so there's enormous pressure to perform and deliver for band directors as well. And um, so they're also under extreme amounts of stress and there's rejection and all the same experiences that a performing musician goes through. Um, a, A music educator has those same exact problems and thoughts. So um, we we really want to help people kind of navigate that and also navigate, you know, work-life balance. Um, it's a big topic lately, but it's it's an important one. And, um, you know, even both performing musicians and educators, um, we often tout it as a badge of honor for just how much we work, working ourselves into the ground, um, because we really do want to give everything we have because I think it really comes from a place of wanting to to help um, yeah. and so just coming to you know coming to the realization that sometimes the best way to help the most people is to first make sure that you're taking care of yourself and your own thoughts and your own health um, can sometimes actually even though it feels like it's taking away from from helping others it's actually giving it's actually enabling you to help them more because you're more fresh and more able to give the positive aspects of yourself to your students and to your colleagues yeah and i think um one just last thought on that is that um both the performing scene um and the the band directing teaching scene Right. It's very competitive. And um, 
there can be kind of like a lack of vulnerability in terms of like if you struggle with something you're not supposed to let anyone know don't let your teacher know because like you don't want them to you know not hire you or not give you a good placement in your ensemble or whatever you don't want to let your friends know because then you know they're gonna be like woohoo they're never gonna beat me anymore or whatever you know what i mean and so like there's kind of like this um rule that you just kind of keep it to yourself if you're injured if you're struggling if any of that is happening and um, that does not allow you to create more freely that doesn't allow you to connect more deeply with others um, and so the the goal of a coach is then just to be there with you as you're like it's that someone who you can like talk to talk to or speak about these things with um with no fear of judgment or you're not going to get hired by them or um just sort of that person to be there and it's helped me and matt so much to have someone like that around um that we want to be able to provide that to others and yeah sometimes it's it's even better if they're not in the same exact field like you know if i was like working with a band director like I'm not going to take it. I'm not applying for the same jobs, you know, so there's like even a little bit more of a, um, I don't know, ability to open up or something. I don't know. We've found that that's been really helpful for us to be able to connect with people in this way is really what makes a huge difference uh, creatively. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. Mental health is so important. And I don't think we give ourselves enough you know, time and enough energy to devote to our mental health. And I feel like we are all in very high stress positions. And like you said, allowing us ourselves to feel vulnerable and ask for help is something that we also don't often do as well. So I I really think that's great that you're providing that resource for others. Yeah, Yeah. that's our goal, because it's helped (laughs) us so much. Yeah, Yeah. something that we I wish I had when I was, you know, going through either high school or in college like oh it that's all so competitive like I'm thinking back like how did I make it through it was so hard like it has been so helpful now that um I wish for other people to have that experience too yeah absolutely and so we had touched on this a little bit earlier but you have both started virtual percussion and flute music festivals quite recently so can you talk a little bit about each of your festivals and what it entails and that sort of thing sure yeah (laughs) so um well we you know with band directors we know that they are under so much stress right now particularly um like they always are we understand that but like particularly this year is just really difficult and um oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly and so we we thought that we would just kind of like um give bdsg some space to to grow and to you know like be there for people and um while we kind of like turned our sights a little bit you know to the left (laughs) or whatever just to see um what else we could kind of come up with and uh what you mean matt and i are still very connected with our own fields of flutists and percussionists and we started asking ourselves like what are they really missing right now and one big thing is summer festivals, right? Because um, if they are happening this year, many of them don't have any auditions because they are all last year's um, yeah. accepted people. Um, and uh, 
And also just, I guess, something that was interesting for me is that now that we're all online, you can kind of communicate with anyone, anywhere, um, as long as your time zones match up. <laughs> so <laughs> you don't have to fly there. You don't have to. Um, so, I mean, because when I was doing my whole college thing, um, I flew to like all these different places to take lessons with this teacher and that teacher. And, you know, that's really important to get to know the person before you audition at the school, all that stuff. And um, we wanted to provide something that kind of like brought together all of, you know, many people who have inspired us over the years all in one place. Um, and so that people can meet these, you know, these artists just mm-hmm. all in one event and they don't have to go anywhere and they can just be safe and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that was kind of like our idea for the virtual festivals and we wanted to have this aspect of coaching in there so it's called um creative thinking sessions <laughs> uh and it's really it's yeah like i explained before it's our chance to just be there for someone to um help them think through whatever is like uh, they think is holding them back or whatever um so that is you know it's not just a festival about playing um and impressing everyone or it's also about like, can you connect with your peers there truly and deeply? And can you kind of connect with your own thoughts um, in a safe way? That's That was really important for us to, to create because I don't think that's like widely available for a lot of yeah. aspiring professional musicians, you know? Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And when I know um, Katie and I came from such different paths for music school, but like when I was first applying to like master's programs and stuff, like I, I didn't know that like everyone else seemed to knew, knew everyone else seemed to know this, but I didn't know that you needed to be taking lessons with these teachers at these schools um, because it's unlike other unlike other majors you're going to have a very personal relationship with your private instructor because you're going to spend two years to four years with them depending if it's masters or undergrad and they just like you want to know that it's a good fit like you need to make sure you're a good fit like they can teach you personally and they want to see that you can learn from them as well and that it's going to be a positive experience over the course of your tenure there um, so, I, you know, when I applied to my master's programs, I didn't take lessons with, with anyone because I didn't even know it was, <laughs> I didn't know you were supposed to do that. I was just like, well, you just go and audition and that's it. Um, yeah. And you can imagine that it didn't work out that well. Um, <laughs> um, and the next time around, I did take lots of lessons and it made it a lot more of a positive experience. But we wanted to provide a platform where students you know both younger and older could come and meet a lot of the top professionals in the industry and not just like not just like one or two or four but like 12 or more (laughs) uh, and and just be able to see all of them learn from them take lessons with a few of them to kind of see if they might be a good fit um and then also have warm up with them like we're we want to have these guided warm-ups done by um 
industry professionals. And that's one thing that I knew I always wanted when I was younger was like some days, just like with a workout class, like a yoga class or anything else, sometimes it's fun to just turn it on and just let the other person do the thinking for you. (laughs) Um, And know that the person doing the thinking is really, really like they've really figured something out. So you know that you're in good hands. Um, But yeah, just not to repeat too much of what Katie said, but the the guided thinking sessions are collaborative thinking sessions are a really big deal for us because we really want to help people understand why like why they want to be a professional musician like what what brings them fulfillment from all of that and then help them and encourage them to um you know get past any limiting mindsets they might have because mm-hmm. a lot of people um and I know I was there for many years on the audition circuit um you know you you get rejected so many times you start to believe that like maybe it's not possible and you start to develop limiting beliefs and then you get into a bad cycle because if you don't believe you even though it sounds cheesy like if you don't believe you can do it it seeps into everything you do everything and um then when you slowly start to change that all of a sudden you start seeing success and you can create more of a positive feedback loop because these negative feedback loops are really really hard to get out of Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) uh, spiral yeah so that that's that's kind of the inspiration for that and and with the way covid's been going um you know the need for for a place for people to to go um this summer is, still seems extremely necessary and important yeah i agree so for for people that might be interested in doing these virtual festivals um can you tell our listeners a little bit more about like what age group can apply and how you apply and when will it be happening if you know yet? Yes, definitely. So um, for a virtual flute music festival, there's also a a piccolo one. (laughs) So basically the festivals um, range from beginning of June all the way through um, mid-July. And um, it's for students who are 18 and up, although um, exceptional high school applicants are encouraged to apply. (laughs) Um, So it's mostly students who are in, you know, in college or out of college who are very serious about um, wanting to further their studies in the flute. Um, And if they had an interest in the orchestral route, great. We have orchestral people uh, presenting and teaching masterclasses and stuff. Awesome. Um, Yeah, and our application is just unaccepted. And I mean, we have websites. It's just the name of the festival. So virtualflutemusicfestival.com and then Mm. virtualpercussionmusicfestival.com. I think if you Google it, our SEO is good. (laughs) Cool, (laughs) yeah. And I'll I'll include links to that too with the episode. So Cool. Yeah, and so, um, I mean, we have Instagram where we are announcing all of our guest artists and kind of posting some of these questions too that we would be interested in asking um, participants in how are they thinking right now? Like what are their big goals and do they think it's possible for them to you know, be principal flutists of the New York Philharmonic or something? I'll, you yeah. know, we post like little questions uh, on our Instagram kind of like that to um, just kind of start the conversation because that's the, the beginnings of um, the collaborative is it creative or collaborative collaborative thinking collaborative session. thinking sessions yeah, yeah. so awesome. 
So Katie has two, though. I don't know if you made that clear. She's got oh, yeah. the Piccolo program, which is all Piccolo. So because Piccolo is very different from the flute, and <laughs> um, believe it or not, there's only one. Is it one school Peabody? Yeah. There's like one school that you can get a Piccolo degree. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <it's> yeah. <laughs> Such a niche instrument. Yeah, but, for sure. Yeah, so there's a Piccolo one, and then there's the flute one. Yeah, the piccolo 50 one. piccolo players in a room. That's a yeah. <laughs> luckily it's all on Zoom, right? So yeah, <laughs> benefits exactly. of internet festival. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be fun. And there's also business. There's business coaching and um, other other aspects that will help students navigate just creating a career in music, um, regardless of orchestra auditions, like finding other creative avenues to find your worth and, and make income as a artist and a musician. That's excellent. I'm so happy you're doing that. And everybody should be checking that out as well. Um, my last question for you is because we've been talking about all of these amazing projects you've both taken on and things that you're trying to do to kind of shed a positive light on our current situation of, you know, yeah. not being able to do anything. Right. <laughs> um, where do you hope? Because, you know, now we're all kind of getting vaccinated and things are starting to open back up in that way. And where do you hope with all of this stuff you have been doing, um, the future of classical music is going to head? Well, for me, I hope that um, the things that were, you know, kind of going over in the collaborative thinking sessions and the things that we've been working on with coaches ourselves is that um, artists will see their worth um, even more <laughs> uh, because with everything being canceled and all this stuff, you know, it's easy to like wonder if maybe the the world doesn't need us. Like, <laughs> obviously, you know, I haven't played my flute in public in over a year, but like, that's not true. Um, for me, the for the future of classical music, I hope that um, with what we're doing, we can help artists understand that um, they are valued and what they're doing their, you know, whether they do want to be the next principal flutist of the New York Phil, or if they um, want to teach, or if they want to do anything in between, um, that that is totally useful and um, really valuable to society um, to create just better people, to create mm -hmm. um, creative people who can solve issues, uh, uh, whether it's in music or it's in you know any other field. Like that creativity is um, what happens when you're feeling safe. What it happens when you are um, working with others who you're deeply connected with. Um, and so I hope that, you know, what we create um, can help artists kind of see that in themselves. Uh, so, I, yeah, I definitely hope that, you know, what we're doing right now is I think it's going to be valid <laughs> after, you know, the pandemic. That was kind of our our goal in making something that um, was not only kind of cool right now when we're all stuck at home, but is would be really useful um, at any time, pandemic or not. <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we, the classical music industry, you know, was hit really hard by by the pandemic. And as we know, it obviously was very vulnerable to this sort of situation. And we just wanted to create a community um, and a new kind of culture of thinking where a, a healthier culture where we could all 
collaborate and people were more on the same page on what they wanted, what they're worth, and also empowering people to choose the path that's right for them. I mean, you don't have to be the principal um, flutist of the New York Philharmonic to be a extremely valuable and important musician. Um, you know, everyone has something that they're really good at and that they really enjoy and love, and we want to help support people finding that niche for themselves, um, despite what the industry might say is the only way to find success. Um, we want we want to help nurture an environment moving forward that enables and empowers um, people of all walks of life to find their purpose and their vision in their musical career, whatever that might be, and feel very confident about their choice and have the resilience to stand up to a culture that might say that it's not necessarily like quote unquote successful or, or some other thing like that. Yeah, yeah, no, so many excellent points. And I completely agree with all of that. And I think the programs that you are implementing are really going to start heading in that direction, I, I I would hope. I would hope that it continues um, after this whole time of the pandemic and people take their experiences with your programs and move forward in a more positive light. Yeah, Absolutely. that's what we hope too. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah, again, I want to thank you so much for coming on, for giving us your time, for talking about your experiences and these awesome programs that you're starting. I will be sure to link both of the festivals in the episode description. Great. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank yeah, you for having us. us.